Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are so glad that you guys are here in the house of the Lord. We're so glad that you guys are here. Y'all, this is it. This is the last one. This is my last day of sabbatical vacation. So I'm sad and excited all at one time. I don't know how to weigh my emotions right now. But um, it's been a good time. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that um, you guys have allowed me a time of rest and to hear from other pastors and preachers and speakers. And so, but I want to let you know that even though I've had some time off, I am fired up. I am lit on the inside. Y'all just wait for next week. Y'all going to come in and be like, oh, Pastor Jeremy's back. And then you're going to be upset and be like, oh, Pastor Jeremy's back. <laughs> so just prepare your heart, minds, and souls. God has put a word in my heart. And so um, before we get started, um, I want to talk about we have a church-wide fast coming. And if you're like, what is a fast and what is fasting? I know fasting is popular in the world right now. It's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an intermediate faster. I starve myself for my weight and health and all that stuff. <laughs> Biblical fasting is different, okay? Biblical fasting is saying I'm putting aside whatever it is, whatever a pleasure of this world is for you, I'm putting it aside because I want to hear from God and I want God to speak to me and I want God to change something in my life. There is never a time when fasting hasn't worked in my life. So we start a church-wide fast on September 1st. September 1st, someone told me last sermon message, last service, it was like, oh, it's the third, and they were wrong. I won't say any names. Jerry. Um, I'm just kidding. So we start our fast September 1st as a church, and we do that together. And so um, fasting is typically you'd give up food, but I know for all of us, food might not be that thing. And so fasting is like give up whatever is a pleasure to you. Um, social media, right? Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put away social media because I really want to hear from God. And it's not just putting it away, but it's putting it away and replacing it with a time of prayer, a time of reading your word, a time of maybe listening to a sermon, um, playing praise music, whatever it is. And so I've fasted in the past where I've done no food um, for seven days. And y'all, does this look like a seven-day no food body? No, okay. And so it was wild. I was, I was, I almost cussed and carried on at the end. Um, so, you know, God is good. He brought me through. Um, but then I've done like Daniel fast, which is like um, veggies. And then I've done like you can fast until six. Or you could fast just a meal, right? So don't fast something that you don't do, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to fast breakfast. But like, bro, you don't even eat breakfast. <laughs> don't, don't try and cheat God. And God's like, oh, okay, you fast breakfast, okay. And so um, if it's social media, if it's, a, if it's a meal, if it's coffee, I know to some of y'all, I'm like, yo, pastor, yo, chill. You're being sacrilegious right now. And, so, you know, some of y'all need to fast fifth meal, you know what I mean? And midnight snacks and... Watch what God does in, in the body, but you're not, fasting. <laughs> you're not fasting for a physical outcome. You're fasting for a spiritual outcome. And so um, the reason why we're doing 17 days is because that leads up into our anniversary. And so when we all get together, when is our anniversary? On the 18th. Everyone say the 18th. We're going to have one service that day, but more details to come. And so, listen, it is so important to the life of this church. Fasting is so important because I believe in our fifth year, God is cementing a lot of things and putting a lot of roots and putting a lot of people in here. And so if you're like, I wonder who the church is, look around. Exactly. You better start loving people down here in all their shapes, colors, mess-ups, mishaps, whatever, because heaven's just going to be an exalt exaltation of this, you know. And so... Um, fasting, fasting. Everyone say September 1st. 
Don't you forget. And it's okay if you mess up and you're like, I'm fasting sweets and you eat a Twinkie in the afternoon. It's okay. You don't have to be like, oh, it's messed up. I'm just not going to fast. Eat your Twinkie and be like, God, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. I forgot. Um, I want to invite up my brother, Pastor Muta. He's from Michigan. Um, <laughs> I, he almost didn't make it here because I was like, I don't know if I like this guy too much. When I first met him a year ago, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. But then he was like really cool with it. He was like, hey, man. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll accept you as a friend. But he's one of those friends that I never You're really not allowed to lie in church, Pastor. <laughs> you were hitting me up, calling me up. Can we be friends? Let's know, be real. Wait, wait, time out. Y'all know I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not like, let's be friends. I'm like, you've been I gotta, in Memphis I, too long. I gotta Southern see hospitality. <laughs> I got to see if you pass first. And then I was like, I respect your sneaky game. It's decent. It's decent. And so that's what really started our friendship. But he's been a good friend. He's from Michigan. Um, y'all give it up for Pastor Muta. He's going to bring the word today. Thank you. Thank you. What's happening, y'all? What's up, Pioneer Church? Hey, man, I got, I got two requests before I even proceed any further. Two requests. What's up, everybody watching online? I got requests for you as well, too, even while you're watching online. So you guys ready for these two requests? I'm a guest, so I, I just really need y'all to oblige me in this. The first request is this. I need you to ask yourself, or actually not. You're actually not talking to yourself. You're talking to God. I need you to ask God, what do you want me to do? So that's the first thing that I, wanna, I want you to do for me, if you would. Would you, would you do that for me? Even like right now, in your mind, just like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? And then the second request is, listen, um, it always sounds better, especially on the live stream when y'all talk back to me. It makes me look like I'm really preaching. So uh, could y'all talk back, you know, say amen, that was good, ooh, ouch. If, if it's too harsh of a word, just say ouch. If you can't say amen, you know. Say that, do that, but again, thank you so much for having me, allowing me to be here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so thankful for your pastors. Can we, listen, I'm a person who gives honor to where honors do. Can so, can we give honor to your lead pastors, Pastor Jeremy and Tasha? I'm not going to say their last name because I'm going to jack it up. Feel me? Listen, you guys have humble, loving, generous, incredible leaders that absolutely love their church. There's certain pastors who love to pastor their church, and then there's pastors who love their church and pastoring alongside of that. Pastoring is a gift that they have. And I want to tell you, these individuals right here love this church, and they see pastoring this church as the gift that God has given them. And so we give it, come on, one more time, come on, one more time. And the cool thing is that, listen, you know, he was chasing me. He courted me in my friendship. You know, he reached out and said, I would love to be in relationship with you. You know, and I was like, ah, I don't know, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm lying a little bit. But, uh, no, it was so cool meeting uh, Pastor Jeremy, and I just thought he was just the dopest dude ever. I was like, man, I love being community. Because if, if I can be real with y'all. I don't like hanging with pastors. I, listen, y'all got quiet like it was like, oh, is that? No, I don't like hanging with pastors. Pastors sometimes are not fun people. But your pastor, he's as ratchet as I am. But so, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> no, I like him. I like. Listen, but after I got to meet him, I was super excited. I was like, man, he's so dope. My wife is dope, and I would love him. Uh, I would love my wife to meet, you know, uh, another dope woman who's alongside her husband in ministry. And so I'm like, man, I can't wait to meet your wife. You know, what's her name? He was like, yeah, Tasha. I was like, dope, man. I cannot wait to meet Tasha. I, I can't wait to hang out with her, too. And then I met Tasha. And I was like, this is Tasha? He's like, yeah. I'm like, like Tasha. Like, this is Tasha. He was like, yeah. Y'all, y'all got to understand, the only Tashas I know got one-inch nails and weave. You know what I'm saying? Like, wear, a little, wear, wear too much makeup, you know. And so, like, when I met this Tasha, I was like, oh, okay. But then I got to know her, and I was like, yo, this Tasha for real. So Tasha's dope as well, too. We're so excited, man. Listen, if you're the type of people who like to follow along in Scripture, go to Joshua chapter 24, excuse me, Joshua chapter 24. We're going to be hanging out in there. Just two Scriptures. We're going to be in two Scriptures. Um, I believe God has some things to say in in us and to us through this. So let me just go ahead and pray. Uh, Before I do that, actually, before I do that, I want to let you guys know a little bit about me because you're like, who is this dude? You know, he's cool with Pastor Jeremy, but I don't don't know who he is. Uh, My name is Mutai. I get to pastor a church called Relevant Church in Niles, Michigan. We're right on the border of South Bend, Indiana and Niles, Michigan. If you know, if you've never heard about Niles in your life, I get it 100%. If you know Notre Dame University, Fighting Irish, we're five miles from the campus. So that's where we're at uh, in, in Michigan, in the Michiana area. Uh, I'm married, been married for a lot of years, a lot of years, almost 20 years of marriage, believe it or not. Yeah. I know y'all looking at me like, man, dude, you look like you're 20. And I'm like, I know black don't crack. It's true. It's facts, you know, a lot older than I, I look, but been married to my best friend. I think we got a picture of my family here. Man, she is so fine. Just give me a moment. Okay, and those are my kids. Um, Isaiah, who's about to turn 17, really dope, creative. I want to fight him half the time. This dude be stealing my clothes. I'm like, bro, we're not friends. I'm your dad. I pick him up from school, y'all, literally. I'm pulling up, and I'm seeing him like, bro, you wearing my jeans? He's like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I thought they were my jeans. Where'd you get them from? Your closet. How did your jeans? In my closet. So, you know, the other day he was walking around with his shirt off, drinking the water, act like he ran stuff in the house. I said, bro, never again. I am the only one. You don't pay no bills in this house. I walk around with my shirt off, not you. You know, trying, trying to teach him a little something. He think he grown, but I love him. My firstborn, Elijah, my little mini-me, you can see him holding my hand just like my wife is holding my hand. This kid goes everywhere with me. He is literally my shadow. He wants to do everything like his dad. Like, I am just, I'm his hero, and it feels good. And to, uh, before I left for uh, Memphis, he was like, Dad, what are you wearing to church on Sunday? I said, why? He said, because I want to dress like you when I'm at church. I'm like, we're still not in the same church. He says, but you are me and I am you, so I get to be wherever you're at. Even if I'm in Michigan and you're in Memphis, we can still be the same. I love that little dude, man. He gets everything that he wants. 
My favorite, oh, this is being recorded. <laughs> I love all my kids, all of them. And then the little middle one right there, you see that little sneaky dude right there? That kid is a Taliban member. He is an insurgent. I love him, but he is on a whole nother level. That's my, those are my kids. That's my family. I love them. And did I tell you my wife is fine? Did I, did I tell you that? Okay. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, when you become a parent, you begin to understand some of the things your parents used to say to you that did not make sense at the time. How many parents in the room? Any parents in the room? Okay, we got a few parents in the room. If you're not a parent yet, just know you are going to say the same exact things that you said to your kids that your parents said to you. How many of you guys remember this statement? I brought you into this world and I can? That is the, why would you say that to a child? That's why most of us are in therapy right now. You know, I just remember my parents just, they just wanted to take my life. They used to tell me I brought you to this world. I just lived in fear every day. Every day. Some of y'all, the parents still say that to you. We're 32 years old. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. I'm not a child anymore. But what about this one? Do as I say, but not as I do. I'm like, Mama, I know you was bad back in the day, too. Don't lie. Shoot, I see, I see how you talk to your friends when you're on the phone. Dad, okay, okay, I remember you. But we say this as parents now, and I'm a, I'm a parent. I say these exact same thing to my children. And the crazy thing is that our, our parents are, are just, we all have different types of parents. And my, my, my parent, my mom was, she's intense, y'all. I love my mom. My mom is incredible. But when my mom gets mad at you, when she is upset with you, she will cut you off in a heartbeat. She won't talk to you. She will look through you. Have you ever had somebody, you trying to talk to somebody, they looking straight through you? I'm like, I'm standing right here, mom. Did you hear somebody talking? I didn't hear anybody talking. And so my mom, she's like, my mom is African, man. And Africans, boy, I tell you, they can hold some grudges. I learned how to hold grudges from my mom, full transparency. I love you, mom, if you're watching. I've been delivered from that, though. But my mom, like, she would hold grudges, man. She'd be so mad at you, so angry at you. And I remember there'll be times I would come home, and, and maybe my dad is gone, and, and my, my sister and my brother, I've, I've got uh, uh, older siblings, I'm the youngest, and so they wouldn't be at the house. It would just be me and her. And she would cook this whole meal. And I knew she was mad at me, so obviously psh, she's probably not trying to offer me none of that meal. And I walk in the door, and she would just say, hey, you. Who, me? Do you see me, Mom? You need to eat. I thought you were mad at me. Shut up. You're hungry. Go eat. This is for me. My, I, what did I say? And don't talk to me for the rest of the day. And I was like, Mom, you really love me. Because I think she was teaching me a lesson in all of this. And I believe the lesson that she was teaching me was the evidence of your love is found in the expression of your love. I may be mad at you, but I still love you. And to show you that I still love you, I'm still going to care for you. I'm still going to look out for you. I'm still going to nurture you. And I think this is a profound lesson that we get to learn every single day because we get, it got me thinking about faith and how we look at faith. Do we truly understand the gravity of the term 
faith. Do we understand the weight of this word faith? Could it be that faith, like love, is found in the expression of your faithfulness? What I've come to find out and what I hope to communicate to you today is simply this. Faith is never independent of faithfulness. Faith is never independent of faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 11, in what they call the hall of faith where it talks about all the amazing believers that we get to read about in scriptures, all the people who had faith in God and did all these amazing feats for the sake of God. It begins like this in Hebrews 11, before it tells us about how faithful these individuals were, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And if you grew up around faith and if you grew up around Christianity, you probably heard that a lot. Or even now, people talk about faith all the time. You just got to have faith. Hey, I'm applying for this new job. I don't know if I'm really qualified. I don't know if I can get it. Just have faith. Just believe. You you can maybe get it. And if you're around religious people, they'll tell you, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You're hoping for this job. So have faith. Have the assurance that you're going to get it. It's a conviction of things not seen. Listen, you you may not think things are going to work out, but if you just have faith, just have faith. Rappers talk about having faith. Musicians talk about having faith. It's interesting that uh, there's this new album by DJ Khaled, and, and the album is called God Did. And the whole premise of this album is you didn't have faith in me, but God did. So faith has now become uh, commonly appreciated and accepted and expressed in different areas of life. Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But can I tell you what faith actually means in this scripture? This faith is not talking about having faith in that chair that you're sitting on that it's going to stay put. Because remember, that's how they used to teach us about faith. Like faith is like going and you know, you get in your car and you drive and you have faith that you're going to get to the destination. Even though you don't know it doesn't exist. Like, even though you, don't, you haven't been there yet. This idea of faith here is an idea of a trust and a holy fervor. Like a holy zeal. A conviction or belief in God and the divine things. We use faith for everything else, but faith, the the original term faith, actually is pointing to God and the things of the divine. It's a conviction that God exists and is the creator and the ruler of all things, the provider and giver of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. That's faith. Faith, as it's talked about in this context, is a strong, strong and welcome belief that Jesus is who he said he is that they truly was this man named Jesus who was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life, even though he encountered everything you and I encountered and the temptations that you and I encountered, he walked through this earth without sinning, without blaspheming, without turning his back on God. And then he went to the cross and was killed unjustly 
and took your punishment and my punishment and experienced the holy wrath of God. And he died and was laid in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again, walked around for another 40 days and connected with over 500 people and then ascended to heaven. And people actually saw him go up. And this same Jesus, the way he went up, is going to come down soon and very soon. And we think of soon as like, is it in three days, four days? But God's time is not our time. But soon Jesus will return. And we'll be able to experience him bodily, in reality, and see him face to face. This is faith. It's a fidelity. It's a faithfulness. This faith is the character of someone who can be relied on. And we know that we can rely on God. We believe that we can rely on Jesus. But let me ask you this, whether you're watching online or whether you're in this room, can they, God the Father, Holy Spirit, and the Son, rely on you? Can they have faith? in you? Can they have faith in your faithfulness? Because faith is never independent of faithfulness. You tracking with me? So Joshua chapter 24, two verses, two of my very favorite verses that I discovered early in my Christian walk when I first came to faith in Jesus. As we're reading this text, the context of what's happening right now is Joshua is a military and spiritual leader. Joshua has been able to take these groups of people, probably over a million people, and entered this land that was promised to their forefather, Abraham, their great, 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 great grandfather. See, God gave a promise to be faithful to this man of faith called Abraham. And he told him, hey, listen, I'm going to raise up, even though you can't have children right now, you are going to have a child. Anybody who's ever dealt with infertility, if you get the promise and God says, hey, you're going to have a child, and you're like, but the doctor says it can't happen, but the nurse says it can't happen. We've been through in vitro. We've been through all of these uh, experiences, and it says that it can happen, and then God himself shows up and tells you, no, trust me, this is going to happen, and this is what's happening to Abraham. Abraham finally has a child, and his children have children, and they grow into an entire nation, and this nation ends up migrating to a place called Egypt. Egypt sees that this nation is becoming to outnumber them. So the Pharaoh at the time says, I don't like this nation overcoming us, so let's make them our slaves. And then for over hundreds and hundreds of years, the Israelite people, the Jewish nation was enslaved to Egypt. But God had faithfulness promised to them. And so he raises up a guy named Moses, who is kind of like a messianic figure, a savior, to come and rescue by the hand of God this children of Israel, this nation, and take them to the promised land that God promised Abraham, this land that they say was flowing with milk and honey, meaning it was fertile ground. You could plant and you would have 
crazy amount of crops. This is an agrarian nation. So obviously, they, they, they want to be in a place where they can grow crops and, and have their animals. And he says, listen, you're going to be able to build houses, and you're just going to grow, and you're going to expand, and it's going to be incredible. But as you know it, humanity has this thing called fear. And so once they're rescued out of slavery, they get to the precipice of this nation that they're supposed to take over this land that they're supposed to take over and they see it and they begin to be afraid and said those people in that land are bigger than us in fact they look like giants and we look like grasshoppers we can't go into that nation we can't follow God's promise we can't go where he's called us to go so we would rather just go back to slavery and so God tells them, well, listen, because you guys didn't hear and trust my word, I'm going to have you wander for 40 years on something that was supposed to take two to three weeks. 40 years, and somebody in here is like, man, I know the feeling. God called me to do something. God invited me into something. God maybe even invited me into faith. And you know what? I've been wondering in my life for years. God put a dream on my heart that I was supposed to do this thing, but because I was so afraid that things like this don't happen for me, this is not going to really work out for me. I'm just going to wonder in the wilderness. And you feel like you're in a wilderness experience, and that's where they were at. And so finally Moses dies off. Joshua is raised up. Joshua has bravado. He's excited to go. He is, he is a military and spiritual. He believes in God, and he believes in using his hands and fists. He's like, listen, try Jesus. Don't try me because I throw hands. And so Joshua gets these people, amen, right? Somebody feels me, amen. And so Joshua finally gets these individuals into this promised land, and they're going in, and they conquer the nation, and it's a beautiful thing. They're in that place. And then he says, hey, hey, hey. Before y'all get comfortable, we need to have a conversation. Before they get settled in, he says, listen, before you guys go start building your houses and doing all these things, I'm getting older, and I got to have a last final conversation with you guys. I need y'all to come to this one place. We're going to have a church service. We're going to worship, and I'm going to give you the words from God so that you know how to be faithful in this land. And that's where we find these two verses. Joshua 24, verse 14, that's where they're at right now. They're in the land of promise. The people gathered before him. Joshua probably, they got him probably like a nice little stool, and he's sick. He's an older guy now, wise old sage. And he says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Joshua is asking them to take witness of their faith. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Joshua is asking them to make witness of their faith. He says, fear God. This fear is not necessarily to, to be afraid of him and, and tremble, but it does mean that. Because God is holy, and God is transcendent, and God is capable of doing whatever he chooses to. He is so far above humanity, and sometimes I feel like we commonize God just a little bit. Oh, God's my homeboy. Jesus is my homeboy. He says, no, number one, I need y'all to tremble before him and realize that he is God. He is not to be messed with, not to be played with. 
Number two, fear him, be in awe of him. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the sustainer of the universe. He is the one who took you out of slavery by his hand and bring you to this promised land. Remember you guys crossed the sea and the walls of the water stood up like an aquarium? Yeah, God did that. Remember all those militaries that were coming against you and how y'all were small and were able to overcome and conquer? Yeah, remember God did that. Remember the promise that was given to Abraham? And now you guys are living in the promise. God did that. Be in awe of God. Be in awe of him. Put your faith in him. He says, serve him. Serve him. With sincerity and faithfulness, serve him. Make yourself a servant of him. Obey him. Honor him. Submit before the face and the glory and the honor of God. He says, allow yourself to be made subject of. You were subject to Egypt. You got rescued and you were willing to go subject yourself to be under Egypt again? How about this? How about you serve under a God who doesn't want anything from you but wants everything for you? Serve him. Sit under him. Be obedient to him. Do what he says. I have this T-shirt that we wear around Relevant where it says, listen to God and do what he says. Can I give y'all a key to life? Talk about major keys. Hashtag DJ Khaled. I see you, bro. Hopefully one day you're going to be watching Pioneer one day and you will hear this word. But listen, he says this. He always talks about the major keys. Can I give y'all a major key of life? Whether you've been a Christian for decades or whether you don't even know about this faith thing, listen to God and do what he says. I guarantee you your life will never be the same. He says with sincerity. I love these words, these action verbs that he's given us. Sincerity is, I need you to serve him completely unimpaired, without spot, unblemished, unhindered. Not when it's convenient for you. Not when you feel like releasing an album called God Did. Sorry. Love you, DJ Khaled. But serve him completely totally unhindered in every aspect and facet of your life. Not only when you need something, but even in the good times. Remember God. Serve him in sincerity completely or entirely according with the truth and the fact that you believe in him. So if you believe in God, you should believe God. And do what he said. And he says, in sincerity and in faithfulness. I love this word, faithfulness, because that's what we're talking about. Faithfulness means a reliableness of your testimony. You walk like you talk. Walk it like you're talking. Hashtag Migos. What up? I don't like the Migos, though. Their music is not great. I preached about them last week. He says, I need y'all to walk it like you talk it. I need, you, I need your testimony to be reliable. Why? Because your faithfulness is a result of what you have faith in. What you find yourself faithful in life, too, 
is truly what you have your faith in. You guys tracking with me? All right, we're going to, verse, uh, to the second part of the verse. So, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in his sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. He says, listen, put, put away what has become common in your life. Put away those things that have become so common because that's what your mom did and that's what your dad did and that's what grandpa and grandma did and it's just kind of this generational curse. Put that away. Stop talking about it. Get away from that. It's a new day. You have a new identity. Israel had an issue, this group of individuals, because they found themselves in slavery and found themselves down and out, they had this desire to follow what everybody else did. God said, hey, I want to be your God. And they said, no, 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 we want another God. God rescues them from slavery, and they build a golden calf. They take all the jewelry, and they say, let's melt it, and they build this calf and says, this is our God. Why? Because they were so used to chasing everybody else's God. They, they were in, 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 in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so they got to experience all of these gods, and Egypt had more than 11 gods that they worshipped and followed. And I just want to tell you some of the gods that were in Egypt that I feel like we find in society today. Some of the gods that are, uh, seem like gods of antiquity, but I feel like they still show up every day, even in 2022. Egypt had a god called Osiris, the agricultural fertility god. How does this show up in 2022? The God of provision. The God of money. We chase money. I got to have more. We chase the American dream. We chase stability. We chase having an abundance. I need a nest egg. I need all these things. I'm not saying they're a bad thing, but when you begin to chase them above the God of heaven and earth, they become a God on their own, and now you start veering away. I like money, but do I love money more than I love God? I like having nice things, but do I like having nice things more than I love God? I like flying first class, but I will sit and coach if I have to, if God says. They had Horus, the god of war the God of unrest and conflict. All over the world, we see unrest and conflict. We see everyone fighting each other. Unrest and conflict in our own eyes, in our own lives. We're combative. We get angry when people say things to us. We get irritated, irritated. we're irritable. And then we try to say, oh no, I'm just an eight on the Enneagram. No, you're just angry, Horace. Anybody, anybody ever tell you that, that, uh, uh, that they're just, this is just who I am. I just, I'm not angry. This is just who I am. Just be like, okay, Horace. No, I have no clue. Did you just call me a horse? Yeah, that too. The, go, the God of Ptah or Ta, not Muta, 
It's my name, not that. This is the God of craftsmen and builders. Ooh, how about this? The God of busyness. You ever find yourself just so busy in life? People call you, hey, man, how are things going? Just busy. God called us to be productive, not busy. Come on, right? Yes, we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, but not be busy. Toth, the God of wisdom, the God of it's my life. Only God can judge me. I get to do what I want to do. Listen, I'm grown. I don't need y'all telling me how to live my life. I don't need you guys telling me how I need to operate my own life and my own being. I am independent. I'm by myself. I don't need your advice. Y'all got friends like that? If you didn't shake your head, you are that friend because you're like, wait, hold on, what? Says, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then he goes on to verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, if it's such a terrible thing, if it's so evil to serve the Lord, I need you to choose this day whom you will serve. I need you to draw a line in the sand. I need you to make a decision, not tomorrow, not later on. I need you to choose right now. Choose this day who you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? And then he does a holy mic drop, but us for me and my house. Y'all can mess around if y'all want to. Y'all know who God is. Do what you do, boo-boo, but in my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose whom you will serve. Make a decision. Y'all, can I, just, can, I, can I just be really real with you guys? Our church is called Relevant. And I feel that sometimes in faith, in an effort to be relevant, we don't really take people to the point of decision. Well, you know, I, I, you're still working it out. I'm just going to walk alongside of you. It's, it's a journey. We're all on a journey. I say, I say all these things too. But I've seen countless times in scriptures where there's a line drawn in the sand. Choose today who you will serve. And as I look around this room and I see the individuals watching online right now, I've got one statement for you. Choose today who you will serve. The reason that the scripture is being preached is not because I came up with a creative message to communicate God's word to you. It's because God's word is being communicated through me to you and God is telling you and giving you an option and telling you right now, choose this day whom you will serve. Because listen, you ain't got to serve me. You're still going to fear me. You're still going to come to a point in your life where you give me reverence and awe. You can do it willingly or not, but we will all encounter the glory and the majesty 
and the transcendence and the holiness of God in our lives at some point of time. I know this is not a common message that we want to teach. And Pastor Jeremy is going to clean everything up after this. But I believe, I didn't do this in first service, but I believe that there is somebody in this room who needs to make a decision today. There is somebody online watching right now that you need to make a decision today. Choose this day who you will serve. Are you going to serve what everybody in your family did? Are you going to serve what your friends do? Are you going to serve in this little middle ground of like, hey, you know, I'm going to have one foot in, one foot out. God says there's no middle ground. I'm drawing the line. Pick one. Like I said, if you can't say amen, say ouch. He tells them, is your faith going to show up in faithfulness? Let your faith in God, he's telling them, be seen by your faithfulness to God. And the reason being is I love what Jesus says. So, Jesus, everybody loves Jesus. <laughs> we all like the God of the Old Testament. He was kind of harsh. He was a little brash. You know, I'm like, yeah, he's just the God of the Old Testament. Yeah, I like Jesus. Jesus, that's my God. Jesus is my homeboy. I like Jesus. Jesus said love, just love, love everybody. You know what? At the end of the day, I, it doesn't matter. Just love. It's all about love. You know what the problem is? There's no love. You know, Jesus didn't come around like, yeah, Jesus, he wasn't like the God of the Old Testament. These are Jesus' words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Wait, hold on. Jesus said that? Yes. He also said this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, you want to talk about love? How about you love in action? And before you can even learn to love anybody else out there, you've got to learn to love me. Because if you learn to love me, you understand how much I love you. And that's the only way you'll have the power and ability to love anybody else. Love begins with me because I am love. Choose this day whom you will serve because faith is never independent of faithfulness. And love is never independent of being loving. Truth is never independent of truthfulness, nor is passion not independent of being passionate. Faith is not independent from being faithful. Faith is never independent of faithfulness. What you believe about Jesus is going to be witnessed by how you faithfully serve him and his mission. Jesus came to do one thing. Can I tell y'all something? Yes, Jesus came to save the world, but there was a mission. There's, there's a greater global reason for that. He came to build his church. And then he died for his church. And then he rose again to show that his church 
that I am he who I said I am. And when he goes back to heaven, when he returns, he's coming back for his church. So what you believe about Jesus is going to be witnessed by how you faithfully serve him and his mission. Let's make it practical. Let's round this thing out, get to the end. Jesus said two major statements, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. First one, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Nothing will come against God's church. Kingdoms have tried to destroy it. Kings have tried to destroy it. Nations have tried to destroy the church. The church is the most resilient thing that is known to humanity. It has lasted and stood the test of time. Acts 1.8, this is what he tells his believers, his, his disciples, the people who are following him after he's resurrected. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so when they go out, what do they immediately do? Go one more chapter over, Acts chapter 2. They begin to create communities of the ecclesia, meaning they begin to create communities of church. Church is not a building. You and me are the church. When we gather together, we are church. Church is not a location. It's the last name of a blood-bought people. We are the church. And when we gather together, we gather together in mission. To operate in a function that goes out and introduces more people to the good news and introduces them to how the vehicle of the good news gets out there, the church. Ecclesia. This is an assembly of people gathering in a public place. I'm sure, we're pretty public right now. Agreed? Okay, sure. We're church. We're, we're being the church, doing church, at church. An assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. The establish of local expressions of the global and larger church. Those who accepted Jesus by faith understood that faith in Jesus meant faithfulness to his ecclesia. Those who said yes to Jesus knew that to be a part of the global community of faith, they were locally devoted to a group of believers called church. And the church is the body of Christ. Each location, a mini expression of this body. You're tracking with me. So how can we be faithful to the local church, to the local expression of the body of Christ? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Please, yeah, come on up. Yeah, come on up. How can we be faithful to create a healthy expression of the ecclesia the first one, I've got three ways if you want to follow along and take some notes. Number one, attend weekly. Now, I know you guys are looking for something more profound than that. I've been talking about ecclesia. I mean, no, 
It's simple. Attend weekly. Make church a non-negotiable. Listen, for those who are married, if coming home every night is a non-negotiable, because you've got to come home as an expression of love and faithfulness and fidelity and devotion, this is the house of God. And you and me are sons and daughters of God. And we're connected to the Son of God. And the Son of God invites us to be a part of his body. So attend weekly. In fact, in another point of scripture, it says, hey, don't be like everybody else who stopped gathering together. Because that's what's going to happen is people decide to do their own thing and go their own way. The number one thing that they're going to decide to do first is stop going to church. Because, man, you know what? I, I, I got to go to work. Man, because you know what? Uh, my, my, my niece is having a birthday party. It just happens while church is happening. I, I remember hearing this statement early in my Christian walk back in 2003, 2004. Find a local church and pour your life into it and you'll never be the same. Listen, my background is not in ministry. In fact, I remember when me and my wife were dating, she asked me specifically, she says, yo, um, I know we're starting to talk about marriage and all this, but um, you never want to be a pastor, do you? I was like, hell, I mean, excuse me, heck no. Sorry, Pastor Jeremy. Okay, yeah, it's true. Y'all say worse than I uh, just said. And so she said, good, because I don't ever, I never wanted to marry a pastor, and I don't ever want to be in ministry. She was just preaching at Relevant this morning. I'm preaching here Pioneer. We didn't expect to be in ministry. So when I'm telling you, when we decided to make church a non-negotiable, this is before we even thought about being ministers and pastors. This is before we ever thought we were being called to ministry. We just knew that if we connected to the local body of Christ and be obedient to God's word, our life would never be the same. And it has never been the same. And here's the thing, as you attend weekly, invite somebody. Don't come by yourself. Don't hoard all the goodness to yourself. Listen, we invite people to movies. We invite people to concerts. We invite people to listen to new albums. We invite people to go to, 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 to shows and, and all these things with us. And even if somebody doesn't like a certain thing, you ever been to that point where like, yeah, I know you don't like spicy food. I know you don't like this type of food. But trust me, if you go to this restaurant, trust me, if you taste this, this is going to change your life. I wonder if I had two or three people who would go to their friends and say, hey, I know you don't do this faith thing. I know you don't do the church thing. I know you don't do this God thing. But trust me, show up to this place called Pioneer. And I'm telling you, you might just have an encounter that will change your life and flip your life upside down. Because I know what it's done for me. And it can be done for you. Attend weekly and bring somebody with you. Don't hoard it to yourself. 
Sharing is caring. Number two, attend weekly. Number one, number two, serve regularly. Serve regularly. At Relevant, we have the statement that is one of our culture codes that says, serving each other is how we roll. Not R-O-L-L, R-O-L-E, because serving is who we are. We are first of all servants of all. This is what Jesus said, the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Listen to God and do what he says. He's inviting you to serve alongside of him in the local church. He says, come, be a part of this. There's different things that we can do. We can serve in kids. I'm supposed to be pausing right now. Many hands make work light. There's an opportunity for all of us to be involved. Scripture reminds us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Join mission. Church was never meant to be a country club where you came and got fed with fine china. Church is a mission field that God is calling us into to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're called to go. You realize when Jesus was getting ready to go to heaven and calling his disciples, he told them, go, not sit. He says, go teach, go feed. Don't just become spiritually fat. Our mission as a church is go. And we get to go right here because there's people walking by this place, driving by this place, who are waiting for an encounter with somebody who will tell them about the good news. And the last one here, give generously. Attend weekly, serve regularly, give generously. The New Testament doesn't talk much about tithing. Jesus does mention it. He says, yes, you should tithe. A tithe is 10% of your gross income that's returned back to him in trust and in faith and in faithfulness to believe that he can do more with your 90 than you can ever do with your 100. It, it talks more about being generous and giving generously because tithing is really an elementary principle. Tithing is just a seventh grade level. And we're invited to give generously. Because faith is never independent of faithfulness. What we believe will be evidenced by how we live. So, uh, Proverbs 28, 20 
written by the wisest man alive. Scholars, secular scholars admit that. They say whoever wrote Proverbs, most people believe and attribute it to Solomon, the wisest man. He was a king of Israel. He shares some wisdom. He says a faithful man, and this is talking about women too, will abound in blessing. This is not prosperity gospel that if you give, you're going to get an increase. Hallelujah. Sow a seed. God will multiply his blessings on you. Pass the offering plate, Pastor Jeremy. I ain't talking about that. It says a faithful man will abound in blessings. Faithfulness in every area of their lives. Faithful in attending and connecting to the local body. Faithful in serving the local body and, and realizing that my faith is for me, but it's not about me. Giving generously and saying, hey, I'm going to partner in mission with what God is doing here locally, but I know how it impacts the world globally. A faithful man will abound in blessings. Jesus is the perfect model of this because he loved his father so much. And he had faith in his father's plan and his will that he acted in faith and gave his life. So you and I could receive the gift of his faithfulness. Remember, if you don't know this story, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says this. Man, this is Mutal's vernacular of the Bible. Man, Dad, I mean, this ain't fun. Kind of really don't want to go through this. If there's another option... We can roll with that. I won't argue. But then he says this, not my will, but yours be done. I have faith, so I will act faithfully. I have faith, so I will act in faithfulness. And because of Jesus Christ going to the cross, you and I receive not condemnation, but we receive forgiveness. And in Romans 8.1, it declares that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with, what you're currently thinking right now. You're forgiven. Slate wiped clean. You are redeemed. You are saved. You are sealed. You've been given freedom from those things in your life that you feel are trying to take you out. Jesus says, I can free you from that. Your heart is regenerated. The new affections that you have now for him are opposite to the affections that you had for everything else before. And ultimately, you experience eternal life. But can I tell you, eternal life for Christians don't believe when, don't, don't, doesn't begin when we go to heaven. It happens right now. You receive eternal life right now. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life abundantly, life to the fill, not in heaven, here on earth. You can experience the goodness of God.
And so like I began, I need you to ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that in moments like this, we hit an encounter. We experience a moment where we are confronted with the reality of our brokenness and our lack of faithfulness to you. So today, Lord, I submit to you, your people, who are sitting in this room and gathered online. Those who know that today they need to make a decision. They've walked in this middle road, dabbled with faith or have had a facade of faith. But today, God, you're inviting them to something deeper. You're inviting them to something richer. You're inviting them to have a radical encounter with you. And if they say yes today, if they just take a moment and say, okay, I will choose. God, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't know where the future goes. I'm still kind of caught up in the same things that I do. Does that mean I've got to change everything that I do that I was doing yesterday? No, you're just saying, make a decision. I'll figure out the rest. And so today, they're making a decision. They're saying, God, I choose you. God, I pray that you will seal them in their commitment. We're not going to ask anybody to raise their hands. I'm not going to make it awkward for you. I'm just going to ask you by yourself right now. You know God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you online. God is speaking to you in this room. And you knew. You were like, man, I shouldn't have showed up. Man, this is not what I wanted to do. But now I've got to make a decision. I've been encountering the word of God. Now I've encountered the living God. And I've got to decide. And your heart's racing and it's, it's pumping and you're getting fidgety and you're anxious and you're like, man, I just, I wish it would be over so that we could just go and I should log off, but I can't log off for some reason. God is saying, will you make a decision today? I dare you to choose him. And I guarantee you, your life will truly never be the same. Attend weekly. Start serving. Oh, man, I knew that's what I was going to have to do. Just trust me. Give generously. Man, I knew, like, I just, I can't do that whole money thing. Trust me. No, don't trust me. Trust God. He's got you. He'll take care of you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. I want to tell you, give you an opportunity to answer that question again about something else. As you know, 2020, 2021 was a really, really, really rough time for a lot of churches. I mean, the devastation that happened in the local body of Christ as people struggled 
political opposition, with cultural opposition, with the pandemic that was there, still is for some, people still getting sick. But primarily between 20 and 21, it was like, man, a lot of churches got hit hard. Our church was devastated. We were thriving, we were growing, we were multiplying. And when 2020 hit, with no place to worship, every place said no, no public gathering anywhere. We didn't have a, a building. And we were in the middle of a campaign trying to raise money for a building that we were working on. And it was really tough as a pastor. Many of my friends decided to quit. A lot of my friends walked out. Churches that were larger than us decided to give up and said, man, I can't do this anymore. Then I met a friend of mine, a mutual friend between me and Jeremy, Doug Garasic. And he asked me, he says, man, how are things going? I said, man, listen, it's rough. It's really, really rough. He said, man, how's giving going? I'm like, you know, the first thing when crisis happens, people stop giving. When we came back as a church, we were literally a fraction of what we were. Probably less than a quarter of what we were before. And we looked around and we said, we don't know how we can go forward. And Doug said, hey, I want to introduce you to something called church rescue. And we want to come alongside of you and help you survive. And I want to show you a little bit about my story. I got this video that you can watch. I started telling it and I remembered we had a video. And this check was incredible. And without this check, Relevant Church would probably shut its doors. Because of this church, we were able to finally secure our location, get into the building and see people's lives begin to be transformed and grow in faith. Can I tell you that the number one vehicle to transport the gospel in the the world is the local church? And the statistics say something like this, like every month about 2,500 or 3,000 churches shut their doors. These are healthy, life-giving churches that just can't make it financially anymore. And so we've got this thing called church rescue. And I want to invite you into an opportunity. There's cards on the back table, but I'm going to do something. This money's not going to me. It's not going to relevant church. 100% of these funds go to rescue churches just like relevant church. If we probably wouldn't have been rescued, I would have never met Pastor Jeremy last year. Because I wouldn't have been in ministry. I would have been doing something else. If we wouldn't have been rescued, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to come and speak to you guys today. Because of individuals just like you who committed to giving a one-time gift or a monthly gift or as of little as $10. My church was able to survive and live and begin to sow into other churches. Now we're at a place where we get to give and, and serve other churches because individuals and local churches just like you said, I'm going to partner with God. So if there's anybody in this room who's like, man, you know what? God is asking me. to join him 
not only at Pioneer, but also in rescuing churches all across the country and soon all over the world. I want to invite you into that. Um, I believe in this. Amen. Listen, money's not evil. Right? This says the love of money is root of evil. Money's not evil. God loves to use money to advance the church. So whatever y'all give, whatever y'all feel led to give, Pioneer is going to match. Come on. Come on, we can celebrate that. Yeah. We're going to match. So if you give 100, we'll match 100. If you guys give 200, we'll match 200. We're just going to put our money where our mouth is. All right? We're not a church that's like, oh, you don't see me up here. You don't see me driving around in the bends. I got my humble RAV4, hallelujah. And Shout so, out to the RAV4. Right? Shout out to the RAV4. Toyota. Right? But we're going to match. If y'all, Whatever you guys put in, we will match. No question about it. I got our finance team here, so they can be like, yep, cut the check. So um, I just want to thank Pastor Muta for being here. Um, we're going to pray out, and we want you guys to head to the back, grab an, grab an envelope, and if you can drop it in the flower pot. Miss Jerry's back there. There you go. Vanna whiten it over there. Um, there you go. And you get a little band that says, I came to the rescue. I came to the rescue. Some of us want to pray for opportunity. God. You know, I helped that church out, and God's like, bruh, I'm sending you. So um, it comes with a little band. It comes with it. Fill it out. Get it to me. We're going to double down and match anything that you guys give. Amen? I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to have Shell come up and do some announcements. I stole her microphone. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for church rescue. I thank you for ministries that are helping uh, struggling churches survive and thrive in this tough time. Father, we need this more than ever. So, Lord God, let us think about the things that we can cut back. This may be the beginning of our fast, is trusting you with some money. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening, and God bless you.